All right, you are now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 185. Steph Curry is actually a human being. The Knicks are on a tear. We are so happy for New York City. Can we please stop the MVP talk and the Clippers with the next man up mentality? I am hyped. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 150, excuse me, 185. I was looking at my notes where I have a number 55 there. 185. <laughs> um, I think we're going to call this the Yogi Farrell podcast today. Yeah, welcome, uh, to the, <laughs> welcome to LA, Yogi. <laughs> we're going to get more into Yogi uh, later on in the show. But, you know, we consider you guys, our listeners, our followers, part of our family, and we kind of had a big a big moment this weekend. Our boy, our boy Drew over here, aka the big Ladruski, <laughs> uh, aka at Drew the Right Thing. He doesn't have doesn't post a lot on social media, so you might not know what happened to him this weekend. But you had a big day this weekend, Drew. Why don't you tell everybody? Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, on the last pod, I got to tell everybody I was going up to Tahoe uh, with my girlfriend, and it was a big trip because uh, I was planning on proposing. And uh, Tahoe's a special place for her. She has a uh, longtime family residence there, which we got to stay at. It's gorgeous. Uh, God, Tahoe is just... It's, it's beautiful. It, yeah, I don't, I don't think it gets much better than that, You know, especially for like mountain kind of landscapes. It's just gorgeous, breathtaking. Uh, and she said yes when I popped the question. So Shocking. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you kind of a quick rundown. Uh, she did not... She, uh, apparently, she did not expect it to happen. She was hoping... Mm. that it would happen but i did a good job of like throwing her off and not planning anything whereas she's very much a planner so she thought i was going to have like these things planned out mm. but i went off the you know off the cuff and i think that worked my spontaneity worked uh so we got up there long fucking drive that's the one thing getting to tahoe from carlsbad san diego which is where we live is a it's a nine hour drive we have a dog so it you know really stretched a dog out. with diarrhea too. well yeah so th- we'll start there <laughs> Uh, Kona was struggling with her digestive uh, problems before the trip, which made us super nervous. Uh, luckily, she did a great job, and she's feeling much better. Uh, but it was touch and go there for a little while. We didn't know I if bet. we were going to make it up in one trip or if we are going to have to stop in like <laughs> in Sacramento for a night. We didn't know. But needless to say, the drive went great. We got there Thursday uh, like at, at night. And the the next morning, uh, we were there for from Thursday till Monday. And I, I was thinking... Friday or Saturday was going to be the day, one of the days I was going to propose. Uh, we wake up on Friday, and I'm Kona, Kona and I were playing, and she kind of nicked my finger, so I was looking for a Band-Aid, and I go into one of the bathrooms. You, I don't even think I told you this. I don't know this story. I go into one of the guest bathrooms looking for Band-Aids, and I look over in into the toilet, and I'm like, oh, no. Somebody left a huge shit in the toilet. Like, just out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, damn, who, who would do that? And, and I'm looking at it, it's like this really long log and i'm like god damn and i get closer and it's not a shit it is a fucking chipmunk you lie dude not lying <laughs> there's a chipmunk in your toilet there's a chipmunk in the toilet no way now luckily this place has three bathrooms <laughs> what? and it wasn't in the master bathroom where we were staying but it was in the guest bedroom uh-huh. guest bathroom just just outside of our uh master door and our master bedroom and so i i look at that for a, for a good second because i'm like 
that's that's a that's a fucking chipmunk in there, right? And so I come out of the, I come out of the bathroom and I find Casey and I go, hey, I don't know who was staying here before or if this is some kind of like fucked up joke or like a stuffed animal or something, but I think there's a there's a rodent in the toilet, <laughs> right? And I, I'm like to myself, I'm like this has to be a stuffed animal or something. Like it's such a weird thing. She comes in and she like peeks in because she's terrified, right? She does not. I would be too. So she just peeks in. She goes, oh my god, that's fully a chipmunk. Like that's definitely a dead chipmunk in the toilet, right? Needless to say, Friday was out. Not going to propose after. Not when Alvin's drowned in the toilet. Dude, yeah. Al, he actually looked a little bit more like a Theodore okay. to me. He was Makes yeah, sense. kind of a, yeah. Anyway. So you didn't propose in the bathroom with the dead chipmunk no, in the toilet. Not only that. Good, good call. We called a bunch of exterminators, right? Because we were like, all right, what do we do with this chipmunk? Uh, Friday afternoon in Tahoe, it might as well be Sunday because they're, they're just not a lot getting done, right? And all the exterminators are like, we can get out there on Tuesday. We can mm. get out there next week. So I found a shovel in the garage. This is great. We had masks, you know, for going into places. So I threw on a mask. Casey had some gloves. I threw on some gloves. I got the fucking chipmunk. It's like a scene from The Great Outdoors. If anybody's <laughs> seen that movie where they're trying to get like, do you remember that? John Candy? John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like that. It felt like that. Um, I, I, so I got the shovel, got it out of the fucking toilet, which was a whole thing. Mm. Didn't work exactly perfectly with the shovel size. But after a while, got it into like this little box and we got it into the trash. Uh, but as I said, not going to propose after that. No, kind can't. of a, can't do that no. in, in the middle of the day. So no. Saturday became the day. And uh, in my head, there's this beautiful pier uh, that if you're familiar with Tahoe... This is Tahoe City area, so it's kind of north north end of Tahoe on the California side. And their house is in the Dollar Point area, which is this gorgeous area. We walk down the hill, and there's this beach with a pier. And her family, as she was growing up as a kid and all through her life, that's where they go. That's their beach. And there's this beautiful pier out there. And I said to myself, that's, that's where I'm going to do it. Uh, because doing it on a hike is just too much. Mm-hmm. The box is like popping out of my pocket. You're sweating. Uh, You're definitely sweating. sweating. Yeah, I'm Drew's sweating. Drew's a sweater. I don't, don't look. I don't look very good. It, you know, in hiking out. I'm not like. I don't look like I belong on the catalog of, of the great outdoor or the, the like North Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or Patagonia. I'm not. That's not me. I don't have any of that shit. Right. I'm. <laughs> so I decided to 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 let the hikes go where they go, and we go out to the pier, and of course, as the moment's approaching, I'm pretty nervous the whole day. Um, uh, I just want to make sure it goes well. Randomly, one of her family friends comes into town and texts us and goes, hey, let, like, let's hang out, like right now. And it's about 15 minutes before I'm about to propose. And I have to tell her no without sounding like a complete asshole and being like, no, who the fuck are these people? Like, no, we're not doing that. Luckily, we had dinner reservations. I was able to like navigate that moment without seeming like a dick. We go out to the pier. Beautiful moment together. I got down on one knee and she said yes. And we had a great rest of the trip, man. We had a beautiful dinner right after that. Uh, it was awesome. So yeah, one of the better trips, but did not go off with at least a few hiccups. I mean, that's how life goes though. Exactly. I'm very happy for you. Thank you, man. And your beautiful fiance. Now you got to say that. Casey, yeah, that's now right. your beautiful fiance. My fiance. Who definitely listens to the show. And for all, if you guys want to know, 
you're all invited and it's open bar and it's all on drew so you just have to that's <laughs> drew doesn't know that but you're all invited it's all open yeah bar. that's news uh, yeah we're, eclipse is the wedding planner apparently <laughs> that, that's good hey can we talk about a little bit about basketball yeah you i mean i did my best to try and keep up with it i know you were uh, busy we brought the roku so i could at least watch some of it but uh yeah i i, I got to catch a lot but there's a lot that happened this uh, this last week there was my notes are all over the place but i kind of wanted to start on the east side today I mean, we got to give props where props are due. Shout out to Die Hard Nick Podcast, our friend. But I want to start with the Knicks, man. I'm extremely happy for these guys. Won, they have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now at eight games. Um, they're standing fourth in the East. They had a, a, a game last night against Atlanta, which I think will, might be their matchup in the first round, it's looking like. Yeah, it seems that way. Possibly. You know, you know Trey went down with an injury, so I don't know what that's going to mean um, for Atlanta. But I found this funny. Like... So Tibbs, after the game last night, who Tibbs and, and uh, Monty Williams are, I think, the guys that should be winning coach of the year. Tibbs. Which is crazy because Quinn Snyder probably should win it yeah. based on what he's done. Yeah. But I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to giving it to Tibbs or Monty because mm-hmm. those teams way overperformed what our expectations were. I agree. And it was just funny when I, when I read the article this morning of Tibbs was calling today, Thursday, a blackout day for the Knicks. Where he's like, look, give me your practice passes. I don't want anybody to go practice. And when Tom Thibodeau is asking (laughs) your team to rest, that means you're doing something good. Right. right. It, it clearly means that everyone's bought in too, right. because he's a demanding coach. He is. And those practices cannot be easy. Right. But that, I, and we've said it all the time on this show, Drew, like some of these teams need a coach like that. Right. Right. Like Tibbs was the perfect coach for New York. Like Stan Van Gundy might not be the perfect coach for the Pelicans. And you had mentioned in our in our pre-talk, you know, watching Julius Randle and watching Zion. Um, those are two guys that like we just love to watch play. Yeah, we got two games with with those guys going head to head there in a, in a couple of days. That was awesome. Yeah, and so again, when Tibbs is telling you to rest, it's got to mean something that you're doing something well. They have a lot of momentum going into this, you know, the end of the play or end of the regular season, going into the playoffs. R.J. Barrett's turning into like a really really good player. I watched an interview with Drew Hanlon, the famous. Um, uh, NBA trainer who works with Beal and with Tatum and with everybody. And they were just discussing like the things that, that they needed to switch up with RJ. And let's remember this guy's 20 years old, right? And you know, he's averaging, I think he's 18 points a game right now. Um, he, they had to switch some things with his shots. He said the most lefties, you know, your, or most basketball players in general, they're taught to keep your elbow in your shooting elbow in or your follow through arm in your shooting arm. Yeah. Your shooting arm. That's what I meant to say. Um, and with RJ, they wanted him to bring it out a little bit. Interesting. Like bring bring the shooting arm out a little bit, and they want. And he kept stressing posture, like posture on your shots, and everything that he's doing is, is seems to be working out. He's shooting at a high percentage right now. But as far as that team goes, we're looking at how you know how great quickly is has how quickly quickly has acclimated <laughs> to the NBA. Julius Randle, uh, you know, a, a very underrated all-star player that I think is going to shine in the playoffs. I'm just happy that the Knicks are finally back. New yeah. York fans deserve it. Yeah. And this is a team that you should be proud of, man, if I'm a Knicks fan. Yeah, I think this is, you know, definitely the surprise for the Knicks, right? Like over the last 10 years, all the talk is like who's the next superstar that's going to come to the Knicks and save the franchise. And what has saved the franchise is this unit, mm-hmm. this team. Not just one. I mean, granted, Julius Randle is playing his ass off, so he is the superstar. But it, you know, he became one in this last year, really. I mean, and I, I don't want to necessarily 
uh, tag him as a superstar, you know, necessarily. But, you know, it was all a franchise player, definitely a franchise player, certainly for the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks would trade him for anybody right now Mm -hmm. with how good he's been playing and what he means, I think, to the like just the overall demeanor of the team. Uh, And I do think the Knicks have to be and if you're a Knicks fan, this has got to be an awesome feeling because not only is this not, uh, you know, a superstar laden team, but you have a lot of tough hardworking, good basketball players playing in a system that they truly believe in. And it's showing. I mean, look, the, the, the games between Zion and, and, and Julius, is that's something I, I hope to watch for the next five to ten years. Like those guys going at each other is awesome. That's, that's prime time basketball right there. And it's just so much fun to watch those two guys who are now playing, I think, at their best levels. You know, Zion at his very early stage of his career. But I don't think he's played better as an NBA player. Um than he is now, and certainly the same thing should be said for Julius. I think the Knicks may be one of the toughest outs in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to win a championship. I think you agree with that. But I do think... They may shock somebody in the first round. They're not going to be a pushover. Right. It doesn't matter where they finish, and I don't even think it really matters who they play against. Uh, you know, they, They've had really tough, close games with the Nets, so if the Nets see them in the first round somehow... That'll be awesome. Did you see the tweet from Kevin Durant today? Uh-huh. Or the DM? The yeah, DM with that the he fam? wants to see the Knicks in the in the postseason. He said he'd absolutely love it. Absolutely. Right. And I and I love that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I just I think that the Knicks on the Eastern Conference, they feel a lot like the way that Miami did last year for me, like around this time. Miami had all this limited expectations, but all of this like really tough, gritty um aspect to their game that the Knicks very much have this season. I still think Miami has that too, but to me, this year feels more like the Knicks are the team that could be one of those ones that surprises everybody in the playoffs and beats somebody in the first round that we don't expect and maybe makes some sort of you know second round push or even an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Uh, I don't think they're that good. I think the East, the top of the East is very good and it's going to be very difficult for them to break into it. But I think celebrating what they've done this season is is definitely and worth this it. isn't a scraping by like let's get the eighth spot. You no, know, they're in mean? the four seed. They're right in now. the legit four seed. You know, Nerlens Noel has had a great season defensively for them. He's on a one-year, $5 million contract. He'll probably finally get the bag. We've, we've waited for Nerlens. Again, we talk about this all the time, situational players. Like, Nerlens Noel for Tom Thibodeau is perfect for them, right? But then we're seeing, like, RJ might turn into that that an, another franchise player. And if you could build around RJ and Julius, right? Yeah. And how do you not cheer for Julius or Derrick Rose? Or like, and how much would you love Derrick Rose versus Kyrie? Like old versus new in that first round. Um, t- to go towards Brooklyn really fast, who, you know, as, as the season carries on, Drew, I mean, KD's hurt again, right? Yep. KD's hurt again. Leg contusion. Leg contusion, which means a deep bone bruise. Kawhi had that stuff. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll talk about the Clippers a little bit. But we're talking about – we're banking on just straight talent with Brooklyn, right? Like, oh, well, they have Harden, Kyrie, and KD. Now, the three of them have played seven games together. Which is insane. Which is insane. They've yeah. played something like 126 minutes. KD has played 25 or 26 games in the past 700-plus days. If we're going to bank on chemistry is so important, the chemistry we're seeing with New York, the chemistry we're seeing with Utah, with Phoenix, with the Clippers, that's going to be very important moving forward into the playoffs. And I'm just not so sure if 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 I'm going to be buying into like, oh, it's definitely Brooklyn, right? Now, the fun thing with all this is finally my boy, Wham Bam, thank you, Sham, is shooting 51% from threes, <laughs> finally, and he's starting right now. But do you, at this point right now, and we're whatever, 15 games out from the playoffs, 
Do you think that these guys are, are the ones that are going to come out of the East? Well, losing LaMarcus was the big – I think that's the biggest blow mm-hmm. to the Nets squad uh, that was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having him dip out uh, after, you know, I think a, a, a really pretty heavy recruiting period for the Nets with him and for them to choose him and, and really, you know, kind of let – it seemed like they kind of let Drummond go to the Lakers. Maybe Drummond made that decision, and that's why LaMarcus ended up in, in, with the Nets. But I do think that hurt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been the biggest thing for me is like if, if they can shore up their defensive unit and their big men situation, then I think that they were the favorites. I think without LaMarcus, as weird as this sounds, uh, their chances are completely more limited than with him. And that is inclusive of whether or not KD's healthy or Harden, who's been out now for uh, two weeks, and I think is probably going to be out a little bit longer with uh, hamstring problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows, you know, if Kyrie is, you know, going to need to take another break here, it seems like he only plays for about 10 games and then needs to take a couple days off. Um, all of that, it's just so up in the air. So now that LaMarcus is gone, uh, and their depth is now Claxton and Deandre Jordan again at center. I like Claxton. I do like Claxton's him. fine. Mm-hmm. But, and then you just look over and you see the dominance of Embiid and how Im- imposing Giannis is. I mean, we're not talking a lot about Giannis this year because it's kind of like old hat. And like, he has the same numbers. He's doing his same thing. Mm-hmm. Like nothing really has changed there for him. And I mean that as an, imp- like, that's a very impressive thing that he's still maintaining these levels of performance. Uh, but it, it certainly, to me, it, it lowers their chances. Every game that all three of those stars don't play together lowers their chances of making it to a finals, in my opinion. Not mm-hmm. even just winning the championship, but making it out of the East. My, my, you know, my, my hope is thoroughly that all of them can be healthy for the playoffs, that they can get some sort of rhythm in that first round because you don't want you don't want just Kyrie and KD playing in the first and then you bring Harden back. I'm sure they'd be able to survive all of that. But I really would love to see them hit the ground running and so that we do hopefully get a Philly, Brooklyn, everybody healthy Eastern Conference Finals. That's really what I that's like that's my dream. If if we could have Lakers Clippers in the West. <laughs> well, the NBA would and, be on fire. <laughs> and Lakers Clippers in the West mm-hmm. and and uh Nets Sixers in the East. That's that's kind of the dream scenario, but it seems likely that that dream isn't going to come true. Uh, unless these guys can stay healthy for, for the Nets. And well, that, that remains to be seen. You had brought it up uh, on the last show or two shows ago how you have just noticed, and this isn't a dig at KD at all. We know how talented KD is, obviously. But you said he looks fragile out there. He looks skinny. He looks like and, – and we're seeing this. He's constantly getting hurt if that's really getting hurt. And, again, you know where I stand on load management. Sure. It's extremely important right now. All these players are going down with injuries. I don't necessarily think it's because of this – impactful schedule i don't necessarily think that like ankles are going to you know get turned and hamstrings will get pulled um i just think that you know if you don't have kd i'm just gonna say you're not you have no chance i don't think right i agree with that i think i think they still have a chance if harden and if if two of those three are in perfect health mm-hmm. And if it's Harden and KD, or if it's Harden and Kyrie, or Kyrie and KD, any any version of that, I think they still will make it to the Eastern Conference okay. Finals. But I I no longer have them as the favorites until I can see them. And I it's it's weird too because Philly has had Simmons is out now for with an illness, right? Not an injury, but an illness that's not COVID related. Apparently, it's got mono probably. Right. They they sat Tobias Harris the other night, and so I do think Philly is doing their best to maintain as you should their health. Doc knows all about that. Exactly. So I I think you know I can't really say that the for me that the Sixers are the favorite out and out over the Nets. 
uh, because of the chance that all, if all three of those guys are healthy, whether it's in the first round or the second round, I think it, they're going to be a really difficult team to beat. But I think Philly has a chance. So to me, it's really it's a coin flip right now between those two. Watching Embiid too, I got to see. I got a, 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 enough dosage of Embiid this week. I think I watched four games with him, and just the dominance he has, right? Um, and the fact that unlike other big men in the NBA, this guy totally knows how to get to the line. Like completely knows how to get to that the line. part of his game is really elevated in the last two seasons i totally agree because he he realized like if i can get to the line he gets to the line 11.8 times a night sometimes 14 sometimes he went against the clipper 15 and he's shooting times. great free yeah, throw percentage. if you can make 11 out of 15 right and you're getting tw- uh, you know 10 field goals a night you're sitting on 30 right yep um and i'm and i'm fine with that and i like i like that philly team we should have won that game we didn't have the, the full squad and whatnot we lost by i think three um but the thing that's bugging me right now drew is this whole talk about who's the MVP, right? Mm. We got Embiid saying, I'm the MVP. Then you got Steph saying, I'm the MVP. When did this shit start, right? Like, well, I think it started when people asked, started asking questions. Okay, I'm fine with that. And, and that's cool. But guess what, Embiid? If you're saying you are the MVP, then I want to see you win a championship. If you think that you are the most valuable player, and I've been adamant about saying that, that's cool. Regular season MVP is cool. I want the finals MVP. I want the Chauncey Billups. I want the Andre Iguodala. I want, the, I want to be that guy. Mm. I want to be the LeBron. Because that's the most important at the end of the day. Ask Russell Westbrook. You know what I'm saying? Right. Ask Steve Nash. That's the most important. I want a finals MVP. I just And, and I think it's... I just haven't like I just don't recall ever like MJ or Larry Bird being like, well, I'm the MVP. He's not the MVP. I'm the MVP. And then yeah, like you are the MVP, Steph, of the squad. You there could be a complete uh, narrative for you to win MVP. There can be a narrative for Chris Paul to win MVP, for Dame Lillard, for for Giannis, for all these guys that we're talking about. I just I hate it, dude. I really hate it. And I like when I brought it up on our page, and I and I said. I want somebody to say I want the finals MVP. And the only guy that says that is Jokic. Jokic defers every comment when they ask him about MVP. He said, I want finals MVP. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to hear, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the mentality um, of those players, like of, I think if you ask them the question, would you rather be finals MVP or regular season MVP? I think all of them would say, I'd rather have the finals MVP because mm-hmm. that means you want a goddamn championship mm-hmm. uh, other than Jerry West. <laughs> He's the only, yeah. like the only guy. Right. That, that won it without winning the championship. So I do think the questions and the, and the reporting on MVP, obviously in comparison to like Larry and Mike's time, which you brought up, I think that the news coverage, the news cycle is just all over. I mean, we start talking MVP for next year. We were talking to Luca but yes. a month before this started. That's what I'm saying. So right. I, I, think, I think in general, just the, the, the constant uh, conversation about MVP is much larger and much longer lasting than any era before. So I do think that's why, and especially you have guys like Rex Chapman, who's, who's the guy who asked Steph the question. Shout out basketballnews.com. Do you think you're MVP? Of course. Well, like, what is Steph going to say? No, I just averaged like 50 points a game for nine games. I No, I don't think I'm MVP. I do think, like, if you just look at Steph and what he means to the Warriors, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another player that's more valuable and as far as just like wins and losses than Steph is to his team, right? If you just looked around the league, you go, well, look at what the Lakers have done pretty decent without LeBron mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis. Uh, but anytime Steph doesn't play, they get blown up by like 40. Right. So I do think there's a case there, right? Like Steph means the most out of any superstar to his team in the league. I would say that's fair. But I also think that's fair because of the lack of talent that he has around him, right? No Clay and Draymond is just, you know, sometimes he can make a shot. Sometimes he misses for, for three weeks in a row. So 
I, I still think, I honestly think this is Jokic's MVP. It has to be. They're 4-0 lose. after losing Jamal Murray. After losing Jamal Murray, they win four in a row. Unbelievable. And we're seeing him step up, like I said, uh, that he would have to do in order for them to be successful. Uh, and he still hasn't missed a game, right? So, like, as much as I think Embiid's dominance deser- is deserving of MVP, I think the sheer fact of the matter is he's missed whatever is like 18 games. I, I mean, unless he literally plays every game for the rest of the year and averages 35 a game for those years, and they also like maintain the one seed. Outside of that, I don't, I don't think I could vote for Embiid if I had a vote over Jokic. If he does that, though, if Embiid does what I just said, averages 35 a game, which he's doing, mm-hmm. and they maintain the one seed and he doesn't miss another game, then we're going to have a real conversation. And I think it's valid because, you know, it's not Embiid's fault that, that he landed awkwardly on his knee and, right. and you know, had, had that weird ex- hyperextension or whatever Which that was. Which looked way worse than oh, we I thought. I thought he was done yep. for like a year and a half. Yep. Um, so I, I, I can't blame him, and it's tough to take that away from him because of a random injury. But at the same time, like, how can we not give the nod to Jokic if he plays all 72 fucking games mm-hmm. and averages, you know, 27, 12, and 9? Like, the, num- the numbers are insane. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's fun to, to have these conversations, and we'll see where it lands at the end. Uh, but, I, you know, at this point, it seems pretty clear. I mean, unless, of course, LeBron, LeBron may still have some plans in the back of his head. Uh, but, you know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. I, don't, I think LeBron has missed, missed too, too many. I think he's missed too many. But if that's the case, then so has Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, going off of Steph... You know, we haven't recorded since his, you know, his streak that he was he had going last week and, and actually the past two prior weeks, 11 games um, of just putting up absolutely crazy numbers. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, Harden did it 32 times in 2018, <laughs> 2019. No, it, that is that is funny. Well, we weren't making that big of a deal. I mean, we made a big deal we, about it. We did. I mean, he was putting up the numbers. I think it's just with Steph. Steph is the golden boy of the NBA. I think it's the way that Steph gets those buckets that's just so fun and seeing him shoot and his energy and just like people love to cheer for Steph Curry, not so much James Harden. I think he realizes that now, Um, but he's human. Last night he only had 18 points and, you know, Steph was on a tear and and during that tear, Drew, I was talking to our boy Crompton and I watched, you know, I watched most of the games that he was playing and and, and, and again, none of this is shocking to me because we've seen Steph do this so many times, but this little he added this new combo, this around the back to a hezzy, to a, st- a sidestep pull-up three-pointer that's just water, right? Yeah. And he does that a lot now. That's like his moves. He creates all of this space. And, you know, it's a joke that I say all the time, and don't take this the wrong way, guys. I keep saying to myself, like, yo, he had to sell his soul because nobody <laughs> should be able to shoot like that, right? Like, it's just I, muscle memory is not supposed to work that good for you. But the only thing I compared it to when watching him was like Linsanity, when Linsanity was was going on right the only difference was that we didn't know jeremy lynn and he came out of nowhere and he was asian and he's just okay i'm gonna give kobe buckets i'm gonna give everybody buckets but just that energy of watching steph and i just compared it a lot to lynn sanity but i I can't take away what he's been doing i just don't see okay look put it this way the nba wants we want to see steph curry in the playoffs i want to see him in a two-game plan if that can happen definitely they're in the ninth spot they would probably they would probably be playing the Spurs right now it'll be Dallas Memphis and then Golden State San Antonio Um, we want to see the Warriors in the playoffs we want to see Luka in the playoffs right Mm -hmm. and then to see you know just where the where how far can Steph take this squad right it's a lot to ask a Steph to be putting up 40 a night dude yeah I mean but if you remember like back in the beginning of the year that's what we said he's gonna have to do Mm -hmm. 
And he's done that. I think that, that that's the that's the more interesting part to me is that he's done all of that, and they're still just barely clinging on. What, <laughs> you know, like they're just barely. What are they, the nine seed right now? They're the ten. No, they're the nine. So they're the nine, and, and San Antonio's the ten seed. And uh, I think that to me has been the more surprising aspect. Is I thought if Steph was going to be doing this level of damage offensively, that the rest of the team would be able to, you know, grunt them out a little bit more wins especially like on a night where he does go for 18 like that's when you want okay Wiggins get us to 25 Ubre, can you get to 20 like you know Draymond can you get to 12 can you give like, us eight can you, Draymond <laughs> can you get to double digits <laughs> uh, and and I think that that has been the surprising thing for me I, I mean I think Wiggins has been pretty steady for first them. player 10,000 points Canadian born player shout out to Wiggins yeah that's a big deal and I I just think you know, it's a, it would be it would be so great to see Clay Thompson on this team, and I do think that would be you know a huge lift to them. And, and imagining him playing alongside Steph in in the way that Steph's been playing, I I can see them being much better with just having Clay back. And then obviously that brings some more depth to their bench. Do they have a championship team with Clay? Back? No, they no, don't. Right? No, no. Healthy Wiseman, healthy Clay. No, right? No, not enough. Right? Um, do you think they ever have a chance to win another one? Steph's thirty two, thirty three. Of yes, of course. I think because of we have to see what Clay looks like. Mm -hmm. We have to see what Clay looks like. I mean, if he's coming back and he looks as good as Kevin Durant has looked, you know, granted Kevin has only played whatever 25 games, mm -hmm. uh, you know, barring hamstring injuries and other injuries. But if, if Clay can be what Kevin Durant has been as he's come back, then yes, I think they have a chance at winning it. I do think, unfortunately for them, all the Western Conference teams have gotten better. They have. I think that's the one thing. And, you know, as good as, as all those guys are, without Kevin Durant, it is going to be super difficult for them to try and beat the Clippers or the Lakers. I mean, shit, Phoenix and Utah. Like, you know, I think I still think with Clay back at, if he's 100%, I mean, and this is not necessarily what's going to happen, I think they would be very competitive with Utah, with Phoenix, and I think that you know they would be they would be giving it to the Lakers and 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 the Clippers as well because especially for the Lakers like our guards are not our strongest point we have Schroeder who's great but you know then it's like KCP Caruso you know THT who's amazing but I do think you know Steph and Clay would have a, a a large advantage over them while we would have a pretty heavy advantage with LeBron and AD I do think that would be competitive so and I never want to count anybody out and you know anyone like Steph and Clay and Dre in that run, you can't ever count them out if they're healthy. But I don't ever see them winning another championship unless they do, you know, get Wiseman up to snuff and maybe they bring in maybe one or two other, you know, key players. Wiseman's that, another that guy help. that's 20 years, 19 years old, and he's literally played like 30 games in the past two years, basketball games. Um, couple, injured, injured again. Yeah. yeah. And a couple people have hit me up like, yo, I'm hearing in the, in the rumor mill that Steph might get traded. I said, there's no way Steph no gets traded. No fucking way. <laughs> there's no way in hell Steph ever gets traded. And, and, like, and for what? Yeah, for, what are you going to give me? <laughs> what can you and possibly... Do you, do you know? I know. What are you going to give me for Steph Curry? <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be Kelly Olenek like, yeah, right, like, that, like yeah. James? Right. You know, Steph will be the first NBA player to sign two $200 million contracts. His next contract that's up. He'll it's, get a, it's what it's in like a, a year and a half mm -hmm. or two years now. I uh, I should have looked at it, but he'll be he's up for another extension. You think you think at thirty five he'll get a two hundred? I don't think it's deal? that far away, Drew. He's thirty three now, right? I don't. Well, two hundred million dollars, bro. <laughs> I'm saying, what do you? What is he worth to your franchise? Totally. He's the golden boy. He's yeah. everything. I uh, know. I and I'm yeah. I don't think I think the Warriors franchise should do everything possible to keep him there for life. I mean, they like that's, mistake. 
Yeah, well, whatever. Why I does mean, D. Wade have to buy steak in the Utah Jazz, <laughs> Miami? Like, what the hell is going on here? Why does Shaq have to buy stock in Sacramento? Why are you not offering these guys a piece of the franchise, the, these players that made your whole franchise? Sorry, I'm getting That's a little tangent right there. But I, I agree. I don't think Golden State, and especially when you have all that money tied up, you know, you're not going to be able be to difficult. get Totally. It's going to be difficult. And I do think... You what know, if you could do Wiggins and Ubre and a pick for Beal? I think more likely, it, it, more likely, it's going to be something that's like Wiggins and Wiseman mm-hmm. for some package for somebody, and maybe it's Beal. But I don't know if that would necessarily help as much. Right. I mean, because then it's like, okay, you got you got Steph, Beal, and Clay. I mean, shit. I would. I'm sure the Warriors fans would be excited. It's a shooters that, league, no? right? Yeah, it would be. I'm sure they would make it work. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I know we've talked a lot about Steph in this one and, and the previous pod, but it, it, what he's doing is so special and having this kind of renaissance at 33 where we kind of thought we had seen the best of Steph, you know, like that mm-hmm. was, you know, four years ago, that was, there's no way he's going to be better than what he was four years ago. And we're seeing in stretches this season that he is just as good. And I would say, especially with the spacing stuff that you just talked about, he's definitely better at that than he ever was in his career. Uh, so it's remarkable, and I I'm, I just hope he can stay healthy and keep playing for the next five, five, six years, whatever, however long he's got left. You know, we were talking about Chris Paul, you know, being up there for an MVP candidate, which he he might get a vote or two. He just might. But I want to talk well, about – because they, they, they have to make five picks, uh, The all, all the voters for MVP. They go they through have, one through five? One, one through five. That's so, oh, I'm, then he's definitely – I'm sure he'll one. be on people's ballots. I You know, so I want – I spent a lot of time, like, looking at the Suns, and, you know, we've played them – uh, we beat them twice this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're for real, though, right? They've been in that second spot for a while now. They're 42 and 16. Um, and we talk a lot about Booker, a lot about CP. And, you know, CP, like, notoriously, every team that he goes to, that team gets at least eight more wins, right? That season that he's with Right. Them. Immediately it, makes them better. Immediately. And he's done that for every team. Makes everybody, every player better than him. Might drive a coach crazy, but, yeah. you know, and Phoenix has won seven more this year than they did last year. I mean, going in from the play-in to the second spot. Um, and we talk a lot about Booker, a lot about CP, but I, I truly believe that the most important piece is Aiton, right? I think he is the most important piece to them right now. And, you know, they're 15-3 and in their last 18 games, right? Aiton's averaging 17.5, 10.5 boards, one and a half blocks. Um, Phoenix is a top five defense. The role players in, in, in Mikel Bridges and Campaign and Crowder, who are great players to have, um, they got everything that they, that they necessarily need, right? You have the point guard leader, you have the, you know, the superstar, if we want to call Booker the superstar, and they do have the big man, right? Now, watching tape with Aiton, um, I mean, he's very good around the bucket. I think he, he's 71% like around the bucket. It's when they bring him out and he gets stretched where he's really tough, right? Like if you have a guy... when He, he stands get, too, too straight up. Right, and he, they blow by him. If he you doesn't get, that get down switch, low, right. And, and, and Phoenix is really good at, at the pick. It's staying with their man on the pick and roll. Chris has been notoriously good at that, fighting through screens and whatnot. But a couple, couple facts about the Suns. So... The average Suns player is 26.8 years old. They're the ninth oldest team in the league. Their average Suns experience is 4.7 years, which is ninth most experience in the team, Um, which just goes to show you that they have the people, the the clientele that has played enough in the NBA. Um, But Aiton, I think, is the key. Um, Getting Aiton the lobs that he needs, um, 
defensively, he's good, but he's really good around the basket. What they want him to be is stay around the basket. It's when he's doing the fadeaways and the jumpers that they don't, they want him to stray away from. How important do you think Aiton is to this team? And then what are the realistic chances of the Phoenix Suns, you know, getting to the Western Conference Finals? I think that all comes down to the matchups as the season comes to an end, right? If they end up with a decent matchup for them, uh, like let's just say they finish in the in the in the two seed and Dallas finishes in the seven, I think Aiton has a great matchup there, right? And I think in that one he'll be he'll be he should kind of dominate the centers for Dallas, right? And to a point where I do think Dallas will probably go to Porzingis if he's healthy at the five to try and stretch out Aiden, make him guard. Uh, and then what I do think the nicest part about Phoenix's roster is having Dario Saric there. Because if Aiden is struggling, in, especially against a, you know, uh, a big like Porzingis or like Anthony Davis, for instance, Saric can come in. He's smaller. He's much more agile out there. He's a better defender, I think, on the perimeter than, than DeAndre is. And he's Saric is nice offensively. He can he can hit threes. He he's, has bad games though. Bro. He definitely like, has bad games, mm. of course, which is why he's not a starter, mm. and it's not, it's why Aiden still is in the starting position. Um, but I do think you know the way that Phoenix will go is going to be really dependent upon whether or not like they meet somebody like if if Aiden can avoid Gobert, if yeah. he can avoid Nurkic, <laughs> if he can avoid Anthony Davis for the most part. Uh, and somehow there's a there's a chance in the playoffs that that happens where they don't have to face one of those you know pretty and I would say even Nurkic on on Portland would give him a bit of a headache if they can avoid but really those those first three that I mentioned I think that they can make a pretty decent run into the into the postseason now the 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 most recent game that they played against was a great uh, opportunity to see what Aiton is like against the, a dominant big man in, in Jokic they just beat. The, the Suns just beat the Sixers by three points in a great game. Uh, and Aiden only had 10 points and like five boards. And Embiid obviously is is probably the number one big man that, that especially based on our conversation, he's just dominant down there. And I, I don't necessarily think that Aiden should be looked at to try and stop Embiid, but I think offensively, you really would want to see him having a better offensive game than 10 points and five rebounds. Oh, yeah. Uh, against somebody like Embiid, mm-hmm. so I I I agree with you. I think he's kind of the X factor for them because you do know what you're going to get out of CP, and I think Booker is special. Uh, he hit two huge shots after having kind of a quiet third quarter, early fourth uh, for the Suns coming down the stretch. And Booker and CP have really developed a nice chemistry. I think everyone else on the team uh, is is playing their role really beautifully, and I do think they're the best when Aiden is in his rhythm and at the basket and they're getting him post touches and they're getting him in the pick and roll and there's, and there's some lobs coming his way. If they can make uh, Aiden's life easier by getting him open looks, that changes everything for them. It's when he's going to have to really step up against those, those bigs that I just mentioned. Like, cause I think Gobert is going to shut him down. He'll eat lunch. I think Anthony Davis, uh, Drummond, Drummond and Anthony Davis are going to be too much for him. Um, and I think, like I said, I think obviously Jokic. I mean, Jokic will just have so much fun with Aiden. Like it's not even, be, it's not even going to be a problem. And then Nurkic for Portland, I think, would be still pretty dominant against Aiden. So I, I think their playoff hopes will live and die with DeAndre Aiden because, uh, I mean, outside of you know some sort of injury, everything's pretty set for them. Um, and I think CP and Booker are devastating. Uh, and if he can, if he can be close to twenty and ten. 
then who knows? It's a but lot to ask. It is. That's a it's lot. It's double what he did against Embiid last night. Mm-hmm. So and and he he can definitely do that. And yeah. I think in those series, you know, if, if against any one of those big men, like I just mentioned, he should have moments and certainly games where he gets to twenty and ten. Because if he's not even close during the entire series, they're going to get like swept. Like right. ten and five, you're only getting like you're not even getting to the line. Like how <laughs> physical are you even being? That's yeah. I think he took eight shots. He was four That's of eight. Not enough. Four of eight from the floor. Mm-hmm. So I I think. Um, I do think that's the most interesting piece for the Suns is like, and there's been, there's been, I would say there's been a decent amount of conversation about like packaging Aiton with somebody or something and a bunch of picks to get Carl Anthony Towns because Booker and Towns are just, they're just homies, right? They're the ultimate homies and Cat has a a significant skill level above what DeAndre Aiton, but I think that the hope for the Suns is like if they don't trade Aiton that he can get to where Carl Anthony Towns is. But I do think that there's a level of shooting that, you know, it just takes a while. Like, look at Vucevic, right? It took him 10 fucking years to figure out how to shoot threes. So then why wouldn't we give Aiton some more time? I mean, Aiton was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. I'm totally fine with Mm -hmm. that. But, like, what, this is his fourth season, right? So third third season. Third. This is third season. So, like, if if you want to win now, right, because your timetable with Chris is probably pretty small. Very small. Right? He may be gone next year. I mean, who knows? He may be gone in two years. So the idea would be if you flip Aiton for Carl Anthony Towns, that gives you an opportunity to win now with Chris Paul while he's still doing what he's doing as opposed to having to wait for five years until Aiton's ready and then by that time maybe CP's retired or, or on a different location. How happy would D-Book be if you could trade for D-Lo and, and Towns, his two just best Aiton friends? Aiton and CP, and then they don't win another game for the rest <laughs> of the season. I'm just interested because, again, I don't want – I mean, Phoenix and the Clippers got beef, man, and that will be it's a it's a series that a lot of NBA fans want to see. I don't because it's going to get I'm physical. Definitely here I know for that. you do. I know you want. I'm to. definitely here for that. I think the Suns are, are are a fantastic team. I do think it's unfortunate for them that they're having their kind of renaissance in a year where uh, there's a lot of teams out there that are good, but they're holding their own, man. You're in the second in the way. I mean, injuries too. I guess that's a. They've been pretty good without any injuries. Uh, in most of their players have been. We able need to, to go paleo, through. bro. We need to go CP paleo. <laughs> well, I thought he was on the plant diet, plant based. Is I, that what it is? I'm pretty sure it was plant based. Pay- one of those. Dude. Yeah. So either all meat or no meat. He mm-hmm. went with the no meat. He's doing the impossible burger. Well, it's where it's where you ever tasted one of those, bro? No, nah, it's, it's impossible. impossible to yeah, taste. I'm not, I'm not They're horrible. That shit. No. I tried Trader Joe's one day. I'm like, what is this, dude? Get out of here. With tasted that. like styrofoam. Plant based. I'm was, not doing that. No, shit. we're not doing meat. that. Yeah, I'll do paleo all day. No, no way. I'm doing plant based. All right, we got to do a little Clipper Laker talk. Um. I, I gotta I gotta give it up for my boys, man. I mean, I am so happy with this squad, Drew. And I go into our clubhouse rooms at after the games and I, I, I speak with other Clipper fans and they're kind of seeing the same thing I'm seeing, man. And what these guys are doing right now is everything that we expected these guys to be doing. And you know my favorite games are these skeleton games. So like the injury list last night was Kawhi's out, PG's out, Rondo's out, Pat Bev's out, Ibaka's out. Reggie was out. Reggie's out. Like six (laughs) players out. We started the skeleton squad. We did this against Miami. We did this against Atlanta. That, That one game I told you, that Atlanta game where everything has been actually set off since then. Um, and then we did it last night against Memphis and you know, the Grizzlies, they lead the NBA in points in the paint, fast break points, second champ points and points off turnovers. So like the Grizzlies aren't a slouch squad and watching Ja, I'm a big fan of Ja. I think he has a lot that, to get better at, right? He has this one move where he literally, 
He goes to the left, doesn't touch the right hand at all, scoop off the backboard. He did it like four or five times. Zub got a piece of one. Zub beat the shit out of yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But he that's after Ja did three on him, yeah. right? <laughs> and and deep, you know, defense at the rim is one of the things that we definitely or in the paint is something that we need to work on. It'd be great to have surge back and whatnot. But going down eighteen in the first quarter. Um, I think we were down nine at halftime, and then we come back and win by 17, man. Luke Kennard did his thing with, you know, he had six three-pointers, season high. Terrence Mann was great. We're going we're gonna to circle back to why the podcast is called the Yogi fucking Farrell podcast because we bring this guy in the day before because we knew Reggie wasn't going to be playing and, and Rondo was going to take a break and Pat Bev ain't there. And we bring this kid in who they list at six feet. There's no way he's six no, feet tall. I love Yogi. I love Yogi, right? And there's a reason. I guess he came highly recommended from Dallas. Like this is why he got – there was like two seasons where he averaged 10 or 11 points a game. Like the guy can get buckets. But just – I can tell you – just from last night, he's a fan favorite right now. Yeah, seven assists last night. Seven seven dimes. He played the most minutes in the game last night for a guy that who Mike Fratello said he knows less than one percent of the plays were running, right? But and they asked Terrence Mann to start the game as point guard, and that's what Lou wanted him to do. And Terrence, you could tell in the beginning, he you know, he's a wing player. He, he hasn't rung point guard for the squad. And it was ugly. That first quarter was extremely ugly. But like the Clippers do, it's the next man up mentality. They they quote it every single game. Um it's something we thrive in, man. And again, watching our bench, I'm watching Kawhi Leonard talk to the kid, talk to the the young guys on the team, Amir Coffee and the team mans, and I'm seeing the engagement with 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 Paul George and seeing obviously Pat Bev there. And this is a really big team effort, man. And these are the kind of games where you beat a fully healthy Memphis squad who's you know making a push for the playoffs. Not, I mean, they were missing Valanciunas. Okay, that's which fine. Is, that's a big one. And um, what's fine? We're missing all five starters. You're right. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying is we're playing with we're playing with you know with nobody really. But we've seen these in situations with Luke Kennard, right? Like and with Marcus Morris. You know, like everybody laughed. They laughed. Why would you give Marcus Moore $64 million? This is why. He's our third leading scorer. He sh- this month he was shooting for over 50% from three. The guy gets buckets, and he's gotten better and better and better, right? And there are these games, Drew, where Luke Kennard, when we have our full team or whatever, look, bro, we are 11-1 on the second game of back-to-backs, right? We're 5-2 and two when Kawhi and PG are out of the lineup. Yeah. That means that you have a really good team, a really – uh, a really great bench and everybody's buying in to win. And we did it last night, but there is one thing I want to bring up with this game. Okay. We signed Boogie to another 10 day, Yeah, which I love, right? You got 10 boards in that game. You got 10 boards. He's your leading rebounder. That, which is Memphis. great. But let me tell you something. Five bro. turnovers. Five, <laughs> no, bro. There was a, there was a four minute span where we ran the whole offense through Boogie. And every, if you know where I sit watching these games, and I kept saying, what the fuck are we doing? Because <laughs> it would be a turnover. Offensive foul. Yep, a lot of a, offensive fouls. A chuck at the rim. Like, why are we going to Boogie right now? We have all, we, Luke Kennard's on fire, right? Terrence Mann is getting to the rack. But Boogie, again, a little flat-footed. He's still trying to get his rhythm in the basketball game. Yeah. He did get us 10 boards when he got the second charge. You know, what I, mean? he, I think he took three charges. He took three charges yeah. in the game. The most ever yeah. was, by a Clipper center was two by my boy Keith Kloss in 1997. Wow. Boogie broke the record with three. And those three <laughs> charges, though, Drew, during that time of they the game, huge. huge. They were huge. Right? And so Boogie's like, fuck it. If I'm not going to make a bucket on this side, I'm getting a charge. Yeah. So 
Moving forward. That's such a great stat. It's such a great stat, right? <laughs> you had to dive deep in that. Keep I would have never I would have never thought that DeMarcus was going to break that record. That's the, the record Clippers. he owns That's as a great. Clipper center, right? <laughs> now, I, I, I see the intensity with Boogie, and I, I see what he brings to the squad. And again, he's going to be – I think he's going to fit in fine with us. I, I The way Patrick Patterson's playing once Ibaka comes back, I don't necessarily know. I think Boogie will be – good in those Laker games if we get to see the Lakers, you know, to bring in another mm-hmm. body when you got Drummond and, and and AD playing. But this was a game for these players to get reps, right? And I get Reggie Jackson, who's been amazing for us this whole season. He's been, uh, this the whole month of April, has led the team in minutes, right? He's averaging 31 minutes a game. So some uh, the load management, right? Like take the night off. Yeah. Rondo, like I think we know that like, back-to-backs and all this shit, this shit ain't happening. Um, and Kawhi's out for another week with the foot injury. Paul George, yes, take the night off, right? Totally. And the luxury of having that to be able to take your five starters out, let let the the young bucks run, and to come out with a dub um, is huge. And I love seeing it as a Clipper fan. Yeah, I, I just to your point though, uh, the one thing I wanted to mention too was outside of Demarcus having five turnovers, the rest of your entire team that played only had seven. So all five. All Terrence Mann, too? No. He only had one turnover. Okay. Yogi had seven assists, no turnovers. uh, And literally, Kennard, Mann, Zubak, Morris, and Coffey all had one turnover, which is five total for your starters. One each for your starters. It's unbelievable. You had 12 turnovers in a game where you didn't have a point guard that was starting for you. Uh, And and one, one guy that came in like two days ago. Randomly. So the fact that you guys only had 12 turnovers, I think was a huge uh, part of that game, specifically Memphis game. And it shows you that there's at least some comfortability with the offense, right? Because if, if even though that team man may have struggled bringing the ball up, you know, a little bit and looked a little, you know, uncomfortable at times running point, the fact that he didn't give up the ball is huge. I mean, that's, I mean, turnovers are everything. And like on the other side, jaw who's has the ball all the time, had four turnovers uh, Dylan Brooks, four turnover or three turnovers, and I mean, you guys—the fact that without a semblance of your starting point guards, <laughs> and none of them, all three sitting, for you to have less turnovers in that game is is phenomenal. And of course, uh, Demarcus had, you know, the majority of those. But it was great to see him out there, dude. Honestly, I I enjoy watching him play. I do too. And I, Jaron Jackson caught him with an elbow. He had to go to the locker room for a minute, and Boogie was heated, right? Mm. And the first thing when he came back into the game, Jared Jackson, Jared Jackson, they were at the free throw line. He's like, yo, man, I didn't mean to do that yeah. to you. He got, he, got, he got a little bump on the ass. And shout out to Jaren Jackson. For uh, being back. Yeah, first game his, back. First, first. First game back. First game back. Yeah, it was he, great to see him out he there. He looked really good. I am just, you know, at the end of that game, there was nobody stepping up, dude. And like, Ja will be that guy when it comes. He's not a great outside shooter. He can get to the lane really well. He reminds me so much of Russell Westbrook, though, just mm. the, the, his motor and how he goes. Yeah, but his athleticism is awful. It's, 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 it's awesome. It's also going to be his downfall, I think. Well, it could be. Um, we I have, mean, he's got to shoot. He has to. He has to learn how to shoot a, mm-hmm. a, a set three point shot uh, because that that'll just haunt him everywhere he goes. I mean, and there was a, more than once where he pulled one from like way deep, too deep. And I'm like, that's not. There's that's no not chance. Range. There's no chance that's going in. Yeah, spend a summer working on that. We need to spend a summer working on <laughs> yeah, that. Get your toes on the line, right? And start shooting right at the three point line uh, before you start pulling thirty footers like your Trey Young. I gotta, I gotta give it up too. And I know I talk about him a lot, but Zubak, man, yeah. Um, Zub is playing his ass off. He's playing his ass off, and you know he's never missed a game for the Clippers wow. ever since he's suited up. Never missed a game. Yeah. Uh, he had told Ty Lue, "I never want to rest. Like I, I want to play." He's young. He is young, dude. And like, yeah, he's twenty two, if I'm not mistaken, or just turned twenty three. Um, but there's still things he needs to work. I just want him to work on 
a vertical. I need three more inches from Zoo. That's going to be tough. Okay. It's going to be tough. That's He's a big guy. And we got to work on the hands. I would say he slimmed down nicely, though. I mean, from when he was on the Lakers to where he is now. Like, if you just look at his body shape in general, it's working. Like, it's it's happening. You can see him losing weight. His shoulders, arms are getting bigger. You know, the NBA regiment is going to do any seven-footer right. uh, a hell of a job. I mean, just look at Gobert, for instance. That's another one that I always think about just as far as, like, what the league and the regiment has done to that guy. That dude was a fucking pole. He was, like, the same size as Kevin Durant. Enos Cantor was, like, 400 pounds when he came into the <laughs> well, NBA, Well, Cantor's too. another story. Love Cantor. But, no, but, like, <laughs> the transformation of Gobert's body, mm-hmm. I mean, it, now it's probably 10 years now or whatever, how long he's been in the league. I'm not, I can't exactly remember. But I think by the time Zubak gets to 25-26, he will have – Nice muscle definition. He'll be able to uh, – maybe that'll help him too with, with his vert if he continues to lose a little bit of weight. It's just he's barely getting above the rim on those on those little ones. Right, but, I mean, that's the beauty of being a seven-footer. I mean, he still flushes on it. I mean, he, he gets he gets some nice dunks. Runs the floor well. He usually gets one nice dunk a game. He does. And you're like, damn, all right, cool. That was, that was nice. That's what you want your seven-footer to do. But then he'll also lose three. Yeah. But whatever. I'm happy with him. Yeah, I we I would love to have Ibaka back. I oh, think yeah, he's he's doing great for you guys in a pinch right now. I think I mean, he's the starter. I think he's going to end up being the starter. I, don't, I mean, when Ibaka comes back, he's definitely got to be on the floor. Ibaka that's been out for twenty games. He's like, got to be back on the floor. Okay. I mean, that's the reason that you brought him in. No, like, I get it. Yeah, I mean, the, and the fact that he can actually shoot and make a three—that is very true. Adds a huge dimension to your team that Zubak has no uh, inkling of, uh, of no, being able to turn. Paul George shoot. said it the other day. He's like, everybody can shoot on this team except for Zub. <laughs> That's what he said. Every player on this but team. But his free throws aren't bad. No, he can shoot 80% from the line. Yeah, he, That's all we really right, want. Right. But like the foreign player, he's like, he like Luca. Everything is a, he, he complains about everything, dude. Every single play, Zubak has his hands in the air and like whatever. Like we need to get over that. He doesn't shit. get a lot of calls though. He doesn't. Neither yeah. does Paul George. Don't get me started on that. But um, good news for Laker Nation is is Anthony Davis is coming back tonight. You guys are playing the Dallas Mavericks. I think he's missed what fifteen games. Uh, so he was out since Valentine's Day. Uh, That's more than fifteen. Definitely more than fifteen Dang. games. It's it's been a while, right? So we're 15? on team. Wow, where it's, am I yeah, going it's at? two months, uh, close to close to two and a half months of mm. him being out. Um, you think it's too soon or just on time? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, dude, if he grabs anything in the first five minutes of the, at any point, grabs any part of his body, yeah, any he, limb, at any point, wrist, uh, finger, earlobe. Yeah, any, I'm telling you, if there's if he, <laughs> yeah, if his stomach is upset, like, you're out. Like, go, yeah, go get him some Pepto Bismol. We'll sit him down. You don't have to play. <laughs> Drummond, again. you're in. That's the type of level of <laughs> scrutiny I want to be on his minutes restriction. Uh, we we widely expect him to be on a 20 minute or less. Uh, minute restriction for this game and perhaps for a few weeks uh, just to get his body back up into shape and into rhythm. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't start. Uh, that's something that Steve Nash did with Kevin Durant his first game back. He, he brought KD off the bench. First so that, time he's ever come off the bench in a game. In his entire career. And I think that's something that more coaches should do, right? Because like it, to me, it goes back to the Paul George uh, game against the Nets where he was on a 33 minutes restriction and the last two minutes he had reached 33. You pull him, he can't play. I think this is the way to do it because what matters isn't who fucking starts the game. What matters is when you have two minutes left, you want Paul George out there. That's the kind of the way that I feel about Anthony Davis, especially in these games where we're still, we have a nice little cushion in between uh, uh, us and Portland. It's like three, three and a half games. And we also have that same cushion um, on, on, on Dallas or excuse me, on Denver in front of us. So we need to pick off some wins. And I think, 
the way that we can do that while still having Anthony Davis be on a minutes restriction is bring him in with two minutes left in the first quarter, play him for three, four minutes, sit his ass down, and then like let's build to the fourth quarter to where in a pinch, if we're if we're down by four or we're up by two or something, he can come in and and help close the game in the last five minutes. That's what I hope. Uh, but again, like I said, if he even ties his shoes too tight, <laughs> I want that dude sitting on the bench. Uh, immediately. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know for a fact we're not going to be playing him on back to backs as well. So mm-hmm. like he'll get some more rest as the season progresses. Um, Do you think you're solid at the five spot? Do you think that's where you're going to end up? You're in the five spot. Yeah, it's going to be tough for us to break in. I, I mean, if da- if Denver keeps winning, yeah, you're not going there. Uh, yeah, we need them to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need a Phoenix to lose. And it's I not would love to be the four seed mm-hmm. in that scenario, right? Because then we get the first uh, first round home court advantage. Uh, and there's fans in all the stadiums now, which, which would is, be Denver. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I think it's going to be Denver either way mm-hmm. because I think they're not going to catch you guys in the third. Uh, and they're I only two and a half and back. we're, and I don't think Portland's going to catch us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's a four or five matchup Denver Lakers, but I'm hoping that we're the four mm-hmm. and that Denver's the five. Cause just cause that would, that would just be nice to have home court advantage for that first round. Uh, but Dude, honestly, four five, I'm cool with that. I think we, I think we're gonna do well. We just beat Denver last Western Conference Finals. We know what they have, and now they don't have Murray. I think that's honestly kind of perfect for us, uh, and it gives us an opportunity to run all of our bigs out at Jokic um, and just you know kind of wear him down just by bodies. Yeah, we here's don't have Gasol, here's AD, here's Drummond. So like, we don't have Dwight, right? And that yeah. was really Dwight Howard's entire championship ring is based on how he did in those games against Jokic. I really believe that. I think he threw Jokic completely off his game, and we don't have Dwight, and and Drummond is not Dwight Howard, which I'm okay no. with. Uh, but I do think if we can tell Trez, if we can tell a Gasol. Trez when, is still on your team? When, you, <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're in the game, rough him up. Mm-hmm. Like, use your fouls. Like, please foul out of the game. You two guys, foul out of the game, make him frustrated, get him out of his comfort zone. I don't care if he shoots free throws. He's a great free throw shooter, mm-hmm. but... Like, let's slow his ass down. Let's not let him get into rhythm. I think that will be huge for us. But I, I, I would love to see Nuggets in the first round. Um, obviously, I'd love to see, you know, Portland or, you know, one of those other teams. If we can creep up in the standings, great. But, you know, if this is where it's going to be, I feel pretty good about that. You know, you said Portland, and I, I got two final things to say. Watching the Clippers against Portland the other night, and there was no Dame, and so it was just CJ out there. But just watching CJ, I think he's – one of, if not the most underrated player in the NBA. His skill set is so nice, man. And what he does is so nice. I just kept, it was probably five or five or 10 times during that game where I'm like, wow, that dude is really, really good. And I think on any other NBA team, like, like you were saying, he would be thriving, right? And him and Dame have a really great chemistry and they are the backbone of that squad. But if you have a, if you have a minute, Watch CJ McCollum play basketball. That boy is so good. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that he had that broken back and a yeah. like broken foot twice now he's broken that foot. Like for him to be right back in it and mm-hmm. just doing all those things. I mean, he's he's tremendous. I think he's one of those awesome NBA stories that we see every once in a while of a guy that had, you know, really minimal expectations. Lehigh. Coming, yeah. Minimal expectations coming into the league and then just completely turning it around, putting it all on his own. Uh, and putting in the effort off the court. I mean, and that's that's what it is. Isn't that the Dame mentality too? The fact that he and Dame had such a similar path to the NBA, I think, is part of the reason why they're such boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, and granted, that's that's all they've known, right? They've all. I mean, Dame had what one year, one or two years before they got CJ. One, where, one year before mm-hmm. CJ, 
And and I think something that Dame has recognized, just as he's gotten better, he's looking over his shoulder at his boy, and his boy is con- consistently getting better. Mm-hmm. So I do think you know it would be awesome for them to just retire there, for them to play their whole careers out there. Of course, you're always going to have the what if, right? Like I think if, I think CJ may have that moment where he goes, "Shit, what if I'm Harden on OKC right now? Right. Like what if what if what if Houston gives me the ball and I can go? I think I can I can score 35 points a game." And I think he can. Right. I think he can do that. Mm. But does it mean that 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 team would win a championship, or does it mean that that team would make a deep run? Maybe not. But I do think that there's going to be a moment for CJ here quickly as he's getting older, where he might go. Let me see what I can do. Let me put me on Minnesota. Mm. <laughs> put me on Chicago. Like put me on one of these teams, um, Oklahoma City. I mean, shit. Like let me let me be the guy. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily in his mentality. I think he does really want to win a championship, and I believe he wants to win one in Portland. Uh, I would be shocked to see him go somewhere else, but who knows, man? I mean, it's something that I think Scottie Pippen thinks a lot about, right? And Scottie got that opportunity to play without Michael Jordan on the team for two years, and I think that was awesome for him, right? He almost won MVP. He was he was incredible for those seasons on when michael was in Chicago. when michael retired right. and played baseball mm-hmm. i think cj could use something like that right like dame goes i'm going to take a 18 month break let me see what i can do by myself and i think that would help him right like for scotty i always think that he thought he was the second best player in the nba and i outside of the, that year and a half he never really got to experiment with that during his prime and i would imagine that may be one of his regrets um but you know Look, if, if if Dame and CJ can get um, Nurkic and a couple other pieces healthy. that we've been saying, right. if they can all be healthy, who knows, man? It, it, it just really – it's so tough to have a Western Conference with all of these stacked teams and players. I just – I don't see a way through the forest for, for Portland if the Clippers ever. Get, if the Clippers get Portland first round, it's not going to be a cakewalk at all. No, you know I don't I mean? think anyone – I think that's right. the other side too. It's like just like we saw in the bubble last year – when they are healthy, this team is no fucking joke. Mm. I mean, the Lakers handled them pretty good, but that was, you know, it was a lot of games in a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. and we were the champions. I mean, so I just think, you know, I hope something breaks their way. I would love to see them make a deep run one of these years. Not against us, though. God knows Damon and CJ. They deserve it. They all deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, it It's just fucking tough, dude. It's really tough in the NBA, man. There's a lot of good teams out there. It's definitely hard when LeBron James is in your conference. Yeah, that doesn't help. No, it doesn't help at all. That doesn't help. (laughs) doesn't help at all. Um, My last last point is LaMelo's back, right? LaMelo's going to come back. Uh, The wrist is healed. He's going to finish off this season. They need him. They definitely need him. They need something, right? Because Hayward's still out. Well, so we're going to see LaMelo. They're uh, they're in the eighth spot. Uh, we'll probably see them in at least the playoff or in the play-in, right? Um, and Hayward should be back soon. He should. Like a week or two. I'm just happy that he's back. And I don't think he missed enough games to take him out of rookie of the year. You know, I, I, I think Anthony Edwards has played really well. I think Halliburton kind of cooled off a little bit. Yep. Anthony Edwards is playing really good. Yeah, uh, he's I taking he's taking more shots than anybody. Yeah, in when the you NBA. shoot thirty times a game, you're probably <laughs> going to get twenty points. Um, but having Lamelo back, the NBA misses him. We miss him absolutely. And House I, of Highlights misses Melo. 
that's all they highlights. Post. Yeah, that's da- all they post. They love Lamelo. <laughs> they freaking love Lamelo. I know. I'm super happy that mm-hmm. he's actually. I mean, that's amazing. If it was a fracture and he's already good to go, then what? I mean, is he an X Man? Like, what did they? What did they do? Have what you seen they... him on the sidelines though? Like, yeah. This guy just wants to hoop in his like, little cast. Well, no, I'm just saying like he he's his head's back. And yes. He's just he's, he's just in look, the game. He's in, living the game totally. Yeah. And you know who did that the other night was Kawhi against Portland on the final play. <laughs> Kawhi standing up and playing defense on the sideline. Yeah. Can't help himself. And those are the things I love to see. And I don't mean to bring it. I'm not trying to be Bill Simmons and bring everything back to the Celtics or to the Clippers, but little things like that. Like you are definitely the Clippers. Bill you Simmons. think I am? Oh yeah. You try, you bring everything back to the Clippers. Well, no, are you sure? I don't think it's a flaw. It's not a flaw. I don't think it's a flaw. It's a, it's your passion. That it is just my comes passion. Out. But it is very much, you are very much, you can't help yourself. I mean, it's not like my name is Clips. Is or my name is Clips or anything like <laughs> exactly. that? Exactly. At least Simmons didn't change his name. He to didn't to Celt. Bill Celtics. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, yeah. So that's my final point. What do you? Do you got anything? Um, I'm sorry. What was? What did you just? Say? I was just saying Lamelo's back. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Rookie of the year. You got ten games. I think it's. I think it's games. his. Mm-hmm. I think it's his. If, if he can play the rest of the season, mm-hmm. I think. I think absolutely he deserves it. Um, I would not be shocked to see. It's it, to be quite honest. It feels very similar to the MVP conversation we had with Embiid and Jokic. Like Ant played the whole season, pretty much. Probably deserves it because he played the whole season. But like, it also maybe goes back a little bit to the Ja Morant Zion argument, and I think that one was more glaring because Zion played so few games, but was so good in the games he, he played. Right, though. but he played so few. It's like no, nah, I can't can't do it. I think in this case, because of how few games Lamelo missed. If he can play the rest of the season without having a setback on the wrist or rolling another ankle and being out for a significant period of time, I think he's played as good. And I think he's his team, when he's playing, plays better. I think he's deserving of rookie of the year. I, you know, we didn't get to bring it up when we were talking about Julius Randle and Zion playing together. But the last three games that I've watched Zion, Drew, he can get any bucket he wants at the rim. Yeah. No, I mean, there is absolutely zero challenge. He can get any bucket he wants at the rim. There, there's gonna have to come a time where you know he has to make the defense come out on him a little. But it, actually, it doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. His doesn't matter. Handles so nice. He's too strong anyway. Totally. So if and he's fast. So like if you play off him, he's like cool. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that six feet and I will just use that as a ramp to get to the rim. It is funny to me though, dude. You remember his first game? Yeah, he had four threes. Four threes. Yeah, we were watching it raining fucking threes. Remember, we got he's an argument like, that night. He's made like three threes. Ever since then, what was the argument we got? I wanted to wait till after the Zion game to to do our podcast. Oh. and you're like, no, nah, let's let's do our let's do it before. I was I, w- I was buzzing. You- Zion in his first game, we were expecting all these dunks, and he had a couple, but he was just raining threes. It, it was unbelievable. And that was and, like the last game he ever shot threes. I, seriously, I don't think he's taken more than like one or two threes. Period in a game right. since then. Maybe he has. But I know he hasn't made more than like four since that game. Even our boy douchebag John texted me during a Zion game. He's like, why don't they give the ball to Zion every single time? And you kind of say the same thing. Like they should. It's like a, it's it's like having a cheat code and, and then refusing to use it. Mm-hmm. It feels that way. Like when you, when, <laughs> if you were able to like put a created player in, drop him in like 2K created player into a real it's NBA. It's Zion Williamson. Right. He's the, he's the, the video game version of Zion has been created a million times every year since his arrival to the league. And now he's there and they're like, what do we do? Stan has no idea what to do with him. So this is, this actually is nice. Cause you go full circle all the way back to Zion and, and I'm going to bring it back to the, 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 the Knicks um, and Pelicans game where we were talking about how well Tibbs has done with a coach. I desperately wish that we could 
have a do-over and we could put Dan Tony as the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans and Stan Van Gundy can go be the assistant for the Nets or something like that because you can't have Stan and Tibbs on the same team. That would be too horrific. much. That'd be too much. No, but what I'm saying is simply, I would love to see what this Pelicans team looks like. Great call with fucking Dan Tony on there. I think that's the, that may be one of the biggest miscalculations that Griffin has ever had in his entire career as a GM. Um, there's been some other ones, but I, I think that one is right up there because if you just looked at, you know, at times Pelicans, you're like, Oh, maybe they got it. Maybe they have this figured out. No, they don't. They keep losing games, but finally Stan gets the ball in Zion's hands. I would just love to see them, especially with Lonzo Yeah, run, run, mm-hmm. just fucking go. And I think Bledsoe would play better in that scenario. Bledsoe's jacking up way too many threes. Right. And, and I don't think, for instance, the other thing is I don't think Dan Tony makes the trade for Steven Adams. I think that's the other thing. And it just frees up the whole, you know, the, the slow it down mentality that you have to do with Steven Adams. And I have to say that I think I was pretty wrong on this. When Steven Adams went to the Pelicans with Van Gundy's system, I thought maybe that's a smart move and it gives Zion some protection. I don't think it was a no, good No, it's look. a Horford situation in Philly. It just it, clogs up the lane. It just does not work. And I thought Stan, when he got Steven, had a plan for that. And his plan has to be way out the window now because I don't think he's getting a lot of love from the players. And certainly it took him long enough to just realize that you just got to give the ball to the best Zion. player on your team, <laughs> one of the best players in the NBA, one of the most athletically gifted human beings to ever walk. Give him the ball, and then let's see what happens. At least he's doing it now, but that's my one wish. D'Antoni would be great for the there, switch. and they would be notoriously exited from the playoffs oh, totally. every year, but at least make the playoffs. They would, they would score 130 points they a would. game. It would be the most exciting thing ever. D'Antoni would be like, Steven Adams, you're on the bench. Guess what, Jackson Hayes? It's your time to run Jackson, like the wind. Let's get Jackson out right. there. We're running. We are sprinting. Right. <laughs> and Jackson can do that. Yeah. And I think he's going to get his time at some point. That's my only thing, and okay. I, I, we can end it on that for me. I don't okay. have any other thoughts. I don't have any other thoughts except for I'm still thinking about Alvin in the toilet, bro. I cannot stop thinking about that. I'm Alvin! Glad you, <laughs> I'm still glad you waited for the pod to tell the story. Yeah. Hey, uh, basketballnews.com, Rex Chapman has his new show, who he's just getting everybody. Like he had Steph, who he used to babysit, which is a great yeah. part of that whole story. Yeah. Um, that's where Steph said that, you know, I should be MVP. Rex Chapman, Alex Kennedy, Eton Thomas, who had Mosley and and Joe Hammond from um, uh, Last Chance You this week, which is a really great interview. Spencer Davies, keeping a 94. The girls, dishes and dimes, really quick. Toronto Raptors pod. We bring them up all the time. They are the first podcast that was credentialed for the Toronto Raptors. And my Huge. girl, my girl Iman was in the same room with Kyle Lowry, her idol. Oh, no and way. I had to ask if she got, if she passed out, but she didn't get an interview. Him, so, oh, okay. but shout out to you ladies. You guys deserve it. You work your asses off. Um, check us out on basketballnews.com. Of course, we're going to be back next week. And again, shout out to Yogi Farrell. It's a follow through with clips and drew and we're ghosts. Cheers to the death of the super league. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow.